Okay, at this time we have the privilege of hearing from Mr. Mark McGarvey. He's been doing a series, and today it's going to be Revelation 13, The False Prophet. Thanks, Sean. Good evening. Hope you can hear me okay. Move this up a little bit. Yeah, um, like he said, this is a second part, a continuation from my last message a few weeks ago. Um, that time I covered um, Revelation chapter 13, the first 10 verses, 1 through 10. Um, and today I'm going to continue uh, the second half of the, uh, the chapter, verses 11 through 18. And I'll just briefly summarize what I spoke about in the first one. Um, Revelation 13 is uh, basically talking about the two beasts, one from the sea, one from the earth, that will come uh, for the last three and a half years before Jesus Christ's return. The first beast is a geopolitical leader, a king, a president, prime minister, um, who will um, come right before the end and will be um, as the second, as the false prophet also inspired, powered by Satan, um, will deceive the whole world and will there gather an army before Christ's return to try and defeat Christ. So we're going to continue with this, uh, this part two, I guess you could call it. So <clears throat> the first thing I didn't mention last time I want to clarify was um, what the sea and the earth mean in Revelation 13. Basically, what most biblical scholars agree um, the first beast, the man, comes from an unexpected place. No one sees him coming. That's why John calls it sea. Whereas the second beast comes from the earth, meaning he comes from a familiar place, a known place. Um, and the fourth beast um, that Daniel refers in chapter 7 of Daniel, uh, it clearly refers to the Roman Empire. So this second beast, or this first beast, sorry, um, or this, sorry, second beast will probably come from uh, Europe and most likely the Rome, Italy area. So that's what all the indications point to. So, but to start my message today, I actually want to go to Matthew chapter 24 and look at what Jesus Christ himself tells us about these end times because his disciples... Uh, when Jesus is here, um, as he predicts temple destruction, the great tribulation, signs of the end of the age, and so on. Um, verses uh, 23, yeah, there you go, 23 through 25. The disciples had asked him a few minutes before this, you know, what will be the um, sign of your coming? When will these things be? And Jesus goes through um, a description of what is going to happen and this is, this is God the Son. He had an idea. He didn't know when he was going to return, as he clearly says later on. But he had an idea of what was going to come, what was going to happen, as he was in constant communication with the Father while he was here. Let's pick it up here in verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Of course, false Christs and false prophets 
have been around since Christ returned to the Father 2,000 years ago, his first coming, down through the centuries. But for us in our time, they continue. And two that I, I always refer to, one of them I always refer to, but the first one I guess you could say would be the likes of uh, Jim Jones. I was a kid when that happened, but the incident in South America with the drinking of the poisonous Gatorade, he, he portrayed himself as a false prophet and had almost killed a thousand people down there by his, his actions and his evil doings. Also, they, uh, uh, I guess D.C., Washington, D.C., sent a senator down to him, and Jim Jones had him killed. And that was the first senator ever killed um, a foreign country for decades, maybe a century. That's one of the quiet stories you don't hear about, but that Jim Jones was evil. And of course, what I do remember as a kid, as a teenager, was David Koresh in 1993 down in Waco. And actually, just a few days ago, a week ago, it was 30 years since that happened. I remember that one. That dragged on for weeks and weeks. And he was a guy, David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Um, he told them that he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. They believed him. And he ended up burning the place down. They killed a couple of federal agents in their big shootout they had. And then 80 or 90 people died in his compound, many children included. That guy was purely evil. He went out, tried to shoot federal agents, and then had his people locked in there, and it burned down, and they all died. I mean, so you got, we've got to watch out for people like this. They're out there now, all around the world, false prophets, telling people they are the Messiah, that Jesus returned. We've got to be in tune, in key, what it says here in the Bible. It's plainly stated. And the book of Revelation, book of Daniel, book of Isaiah, they all go into it and tell us what to look for, what's going to happen. There's only one Jesus Christ here in the Bible, and he's yet to return, okay? He's yet to return. There are many, many things that are going to happen. He hasn't returned yet. He's yet to return. And we'll know a true prophet of God, too, because the Spirit will lead us to that person. The guy is speaking truth, speaking what God is telling him to speak, we'll be able to discern that with the Holy Spirit in us. Be able to discern truth and deception. So, let's go back to Revelation chapter 13. And I won't deviate too much from it today. If you want to keep a bookmark in there, I will go to a couple of other scriptures, but um, we'll, we'll be mostly in Revelation chapter 13. So let's continue on here. This will be verses 11 through 18 now, the second half of the chapter. Verse 11. <clears throat> then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So this man, and it is a man, like the first beast, it is a man, because it says he, his, him, <coughs> appears to the world as innocent as a lamb. But like the first beast, is driven, inspired by Satan, the dragon. And interestingly, this is the only place in Revelation where a lamb is referencing not to Christ. And the word lamb is used 23 times in the book of Revelation. So, it also shows here in the coming verses how this 
false prophet is also kind of subservient to the first beast. The geopolitical leader, the president, the, the prime minister, whatever this first beast will be, what he becomes is a tyrannical dictator, the first beast. But these two will work together for these last three and a half years, and this false prophet will be a counterfeit, in the sense that if you also read in Revelation, the two witnesses will be in Jerusalem at the same time, the last three and a half years before the return of Christ. And what are the two witnesses doing? They are preaching the word of God. They're inspired by God, but they can also bring down, rain down fire from heaven, and nobody can touch them. They can also change weather systems. So if they say to some part of the world, it's not going to rain for these next three and a half years, it won't rain. God will give them that power. But in the same sense, Satan inspires these two guys and gives them kind of almost equal power. The false prophet is able to rain down fire from heaven. But they're inspired by Satan and they're driven by him. Big difference here. So it'll be interesting to see how the two, how the before, I guess, but the two different situations will adjust to position to, to each other. So... So let's continue on here and uh, go on through verses 13 and 14. Revelation chapter 13, now verse 13. Put that up there, there you go. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. So this campaign of deception that these two men will be doing is going to see them gain world domination, which it says later here in the next, next few verses. This powerful, charismatic political leader, the first beast, who talks about peace to the world while gathering an army a great army to fight against Christ, his return, and this false prophet performing miracles, and unfortunately, some of us will be lured in if we're not spiritually strong enough to see through their evil. Even the elect, as Jesus Christ himself said, even the elect, unfortunately. And in verse 14, in case you're wondering, the, the wound it's referring to is, as most scholars agree, refers to the Roman Empire, which appeared to go away after um, Napoleon was declared an emperor in the early 1800s. Then he walked away from it at about, I think, 1814, I think was the year. Um, and although it went away as an empire then, 200 years ago, it's still here, Roman church, and it's incredibly powerful and strong now. Uh, richer than a lot of nations on earth. They have billions of dollars in the bank. Um, and so this is a type of resurrection of the Roman Empire at the end times here. So let's continue and look at verse 15. Revelation 13 and verse 15. <clears throat> he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, so does this giving breath to the image of the beast mean that literally like a, 
this, this image, this statue will come to life and walk around? Well, we're not sure. It's not clear with that. But does it also, but could it mean uh, that it's a means of spreading their ideas worldwide? You know, technologically in some way. The worshiping of this image is ordered and commanded by the first and the second beast. And this is the highest order of idolatry there is. Worshiping an image. And it happened um, in King Nebuchadnezzar's time, in Daniel's time. And actually, I want to turn, that's my next scripture. Let's look at something here which is very interesting, which ties into this whole story. This happened before. Let's see, there's a couple of parallels here that are very interesting. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3, verses 1, verses 1, and then verses 5 through 6. Daniel chapter 3, let's look at verse 1 first. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, that's about 90 to 100 feet, um, 60 cubits high, and its width, six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And I, th I think you've probably seen the artist's rendition. I guess I should have got Brian to pull one up here. Of, you know, it shows this man with the arms crossed. Especially an image of Nebuchadnezzar. The arms crossed, big beard, dressed in the, the garb of the time. And of course, in Daniel's dream, it was going to be a head of gold, a chest and arms of silver. And then you had the, the brass and the bronze the clay legs and the feet. But what's interesting here, I think, is how this ties into the false prophet in Revelation is the numbers six and six. Sixty cubits high, six cubits wide. So that gives you the number six six. Is this of getting away to six six six? Will it be something similar? Because, you know, as we read here, a little bit later on, in the last couple of verses of Revelation, chapter 13, it's the number of a man, the number is 666. You can come, come to that number a lot of ways, but I thought it was interesting. Here it shows it, what Daniel saw in Nebuchadnezzar's time. And let's look at verses 5 and 6, because this is very interesting too. Um, verses 5 and 6, you got that up there? That at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre and psaltery, in a symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace, which of course is what happened to Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, as we know. But it goes to show that a dictator, a government, a power that is prepared to do this. Do not bow down or worship me. This is what's going to happen. It's happened before. This is just one recorded image in history, or one recorded situation in history. How many other nations and empires did the same thing? So just a, an idea there of, of how this could happen. So let's, let's go back to uh, Revelation chapter 13. And we'll continue reading in verses, uh, we'll read verses uh, 16 through 18, just to conclude that, but we've got some more interesting uh, things here to look at. So verse 16, uh, John writes, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand 
or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Verse 18, Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So, during the 300s, under Emperor Constantine, this is a very interesting thing that um, shows what can happen under a powerful dictator like this and under a powerful um, Catholic church, if you like. Um, Emperor Constantine uh, issued a decree in 325, and it was recorded by Eusebius. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase what happened here, but listen to this. This, this is scary, what, what, could, what happened here in this time. Quote, None of you shall meet together. Constantine is talking to the people of, of Rome. None of you shall meet together. We will deprive you of your houses where you hold your superstitious meetings. He calls them superstitious means, the means on the Sabbath, because to him and the Roman Catholic Church at the time, Sunday was their decreed holy day, not, not the Sabbath. No public or private meetings will be allowed, and those public places will be confiscated from you as a public service. Isn't that, isn't that cute? And it is unlawful for you to assemble anywhere. If you did, if you were caught, you were killed. Now that happened, that was a decree from Constantine himself. If you were Christian at that time, wanting to follow what was commanded, meet on the Sabbath, meet with others of like mind, look what you were facing. So, and by the way, these, these laws and these, um, these decrees at the time, in the 300s, were never aggregated. So they're still in the books. The Roman Catholic Church still has these things that if they get power again, have an empire again, they can just bring them back. They're already written, they've already tried them. They've never done away with it, they're still there. So that's another scary thing. So, they could be brought back at any time by a power centered in Rome. So, just another thing we need to be looking for. So, but there's one more issue about this false prophet, which kind of skips around here, but this is an interesting thing which is important to notice. Um, you go over to Revelation chapter 17 and verses 16 and 17, you can get to see it here. The first beast goes after the Catholic church and destroys it. As it says there, yeah, and the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, which, which is the false church, false church, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So, this first beast, the geopolitical leader, is going to go after all um, religions of the world and the Catholic Church. He wants to destroy it. But what's interesting is this false prophet, who may be the leader of the church, that Catholic Church at the time, survives. He comes over to the other side and becomes the first beast's spiritual leader, or aid, as it were. So very interesting to see that as part of his campaign to do away with all religion, this false prophet survives and makes it over to the other side. That's the apostate church of the end times that he is the leader of, a church that will embrace false doctrines and so on. 
So, as we read in verses uh, 16 and 17 of chapter 13, this mark of the beast, it kind of becomes um, their identification with the beast. To buy or sell, you have to do three things. It says in verse 17, I believe, yeah. Um, you've got to take the mark of the beast, the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And that's to buy or sell. You've got to have the, either one of those three things. But the Bible does not mention the specific method of identification. It doesn't mention that. Um, and there's been many ideas out there over the decades of what it could be. But it's very interesting to note that I kind of sway to the idea of it, it could be an implanted chip because you can get a chip the size of a grain of rice put under the skin and it can hold all your implication, uh, your, your um, diet, Problems like gluten intolerance, your medical history, credit card history, everything in a little tiny grain of rice sized thing that could go under the skin. So that's one idea, but there, there are many, of course, other things. You know, does it mean with the hand and the forehead, like a cell phone, which you hold here, you then put it to your ear? Or like me, when I, I'm a truck driver, I wear a headset a lot. I have that headset on, you can talk. Does it mean that? We don't know because it's not specific in the Bible. But it will be a mark of the beast, and will, the world will be ordered to take it. You cannot buy or sell unless you have it. So, we're also going to refer here, actually, um, one last other scripture that I'm going to look here is uh, Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 12. And this references what will happen to those who take the mark of the beast. Revelation chapter 14, just the next chapter over, Verses 9 through 12. So this is the, the proclamation of the three angels. Verse 9. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Belief in God and Jesus Christ is the only thing that will keep us going at this time. Because as I mentioned before, the persecution, the pressure, the deception is going to try us. It's going to be unbelievable. The deception at that time, the whole world is going to be deceived. Because this one guy, this charismatic leader, is able to sway the world with just his talk and his, his power that he clearly will have. And then you've got this other guy next to him, the false prophet, who was able to rain down fire from heaven and do, and do who knows what else. So when you see something like that happening, one guy who looks powerful, charismatic, this false prophet who's able to do perform signs and wonders, no wonder the world will be deceived. It'd be incredible. Um, 
And this is, this is not a sprint. This is not a fast race at this time. Although it's a short period of time, three and a half years in a way, this is going to be a marathon, a race of endurance, a battle of endurance. The strength of Christ in us and the Holy Spirit will see us through. But it's going to be a, a long fight. It's going to be a tough fight. It's going to be incredible. And, and just to finish up, what happens to these beasts? Well, they go into the lake of fire. Why do we call it the lake of fire? Because it says right here, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20. This is how they meet their end. Revelation 19 and verse 20. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who were signs in his presence. And if you wanted to know where the false prophet comes from, this is here, verse, verse 20. Revelation 19, the false prophet. Um, who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So this, that's what happens to these two guys in the end. When Christ returns and uh, the angel Michael grabs a hold of these guys and throws them into the lake of fire. So, to summarize basically then, this second beast, the false prophet, will rise from the earth somewhere we know a familiar place, most likely Rome and Europe. He and the first beast will be able to deceive the whole world and by doing so, control the world. An image of the beast will be built and the world will worship it and everyone who wants to buy or sell must take the name of the beast, the mark or the number of his name, which is 666. And there's many ways that we can get to that. But like I mentioned in my message in January, um, what is the mark of the beast? These two beasts don't gain their power and become noticed until 25% of the world's population is killed. Um, and if you wanted to look at that, I gave Brian one more scripture. It's Revelation chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. Um, and two billion people going by today's population numbers will be killed in a short period of time by war, famine, and pestilence. So, as I mentioned in that other message, when that starts happening, and the numbers are going to be incredible, about two billion people will be killed. Towards the end, when there's so many other things going on at the same time, and these two guys are coming on the scene, well, after that's happened, you know, you know the time is getting short. It's the last three and a half, four years before Christ returns. These two guys come on the scene. So that's another thing to look for. None of this can happen until that first thing happens. So we know what to look for. Spirit leads us. It can help us to discern these things, to look for the things that are going to happen at the end. We can see those signs coming. But we must be ready to be awake and prepared not only what will be unleashed on the world by Satan, but also be prepared and be ready for the return of our glorious King.